0: Well, we're continuing our Fill Me Up series this morning. We started this last week talking about our need to be filled by God, that we can't go on an empty stomach, that uh, our spirits need to be filled uh, by God. And so we're going to continue in this series today. And uh, before uh, we continue, just want to let you guys know what we're going to be talking about today. Some of you... This will be nothing. It's great, great what we're going to be talking about. Some of you, you've grown up in churches where the theology of that church or that theology, maybe that denomination, or you've listened to preachers who have preached certain things. And what we're going to talk about today may be very contrary to what they have taught before. And uh, we're just going to open up the Bible because there are... Certain denominations out there, there are certain preachers who are preaching a message that is often sometimes false. And what we're going to talk about today is straight from the Bible. But for some of you, you may feel uncomfortable because you've never heard what we're going to talk about today. So I want to start with just a story that uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, a story about myself. And this story began at the age of 16. At the age of 16, I had this life-changing moment that happened to me. See, when I was born, I was born this shy kid who would never talk to hardly anybody. I always wanted to be my, my mom. I'm no longer my, a mama's boy, but when I was young, I was a mama's boy. And my parents and my grandparents would always say to me, Alexander, because that's what they call me, Alexander, you are going to be a preacher." And the older I got, the more I would say, no way, I'm going to be a preacher. They said, yes, we believe that God has created you so you can tell others about Jesus Christ to encourage the church of Jesus Christ. And I'd always say, no way. And the reason was, is because I didn't believe it. Because my giftedness at the time when I was a young boy was the shy young boy. I didn't get into trouble much. I had a sister who got into a whole lot of trouble. So I just kept myself to myself, but I was shy. I wouldn't speak to anybody hardly. In fact, when I was born, I was born tongue-tied, so I couldn't even speak when I was born. And you guys thought it was a British accent after all. No, it's just tongue-tied. No, but I had to get my tongue cut in order to be able to speak. And so as I grew up, everybody else around me would have never said Alex is going to be a preacher because he can't talk very well. And I couldn't talk very well. I used to get my words mixed up a little. And I was shy. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't be, be, I, wouldn't, I wasn't an extrovert. I was always an introvert. And there was no way that Alex physically, naturally would have ever be, been a preacher. And so I decided at an early age that I would do something else. See, my dad was a preacher. I was going to do something else. And then at the age of 16, our youth group at church went on a youth camp. And in the middle of August in the year 1995, I went to this youth camp, youth camp with two goals one, to have a good time, one, to find a girl. That was it, that was my goal. To have a good time and to find a girl. And there was a girl there that I really liked. And uh, I was too shy to ask her out. So I just like admired from a distance. Uh, not in a creepy way. I just like, you know, with glance at her. And so all that week we're at youth camp and we're having church services. And uh, and and kids are getting uh, saved. They're finding Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, uh, and uh, we're having a great time. But I'm having a good time. And I'm trying to pluck up the courage to ask this girl out. That was all that week. And then the Thursday night happened. It was August 11th, 1995. And we walked into the church service that night at our youth camp. And the preacher came out. And I really don't remember what the preacher preached about. All I know, he came The the lights went black, the rocky music came on, and he came down the aisle like he was Rocky Balboa. That's all I remember of his sermon. But this is what I remember of that night. He preached on something that stirred in my spirit. And at the end of his sermon, at the end of his talk, he said, if anybody wants prayer, if anyone wants to respond to what has been said tonight, then come to the front and we will pray for you. And so something obviously stirred within me. I don't know if the girl I liked was at the front, and I just went to the front for that reason. I'm not sure. But I went to the front, and something transformational happened in my life. See, I already knew Jesus. I already had accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I was this shy little kid. And that night, it was almost like the Spirit of God came on me. So much so that it was so strong and so intense that I couldn't even stand. So I knelt. But it became so intense that I couldn't even kneel. So I just laid on the floor. Not thinking what the girl was going to think when she looked at me laying on the floor. What's that kid doing? Because God had got a hold of my heart. And for the next hour and a half, I remember just tears coming down my eyes as I lay on the floor. And I just prayed and prayed to God. It was the most serene place I'd ever been in my life. It's like nobody else was in that room. In that hour and a half, God gave me the one and only physical vision I've ever seen in my life. And it was a vision what God would do in my life. Never had one before, never had one since. Like it. That night, I felt the voice of God saying, Alex, you will be a preacher. You will tell others about me. You will encourage my church. And that night, I got up and I said, God, I will do whatever you want. And my life got changed. Suddenly, there was this empowering within me. And from that moment on, it's like my life suddenly went into overdrive. And it started getting faster and faster. And it's like God was with me. And then my youth pastor says, Alex, would you like to speak at youth group? And I was like, me? Why do you want me? I was like, sure. And it was the longest, worst seven-minute sermon I've ever preached in my entire life. But it was the start of God doing something amazing in my life. God had empowered me and gifted me. In fact, God started using me in different gifts. And there was two, three particular gifts that God used me. One of them was the gift of prophecy. And he would use me to speak into certain situations. And like I wouldn't even understand what was going on. And God would use me. And I was like, wow, how did I know that? God even used me in the gift of tongues. And some of you are like, whoa, he just said tongues? Like, whoa, that's freaky. But yeah, the Bible talks about the gift of tongues. And yeah, then I was able to speak in tongues. And it was this weird feeling that I was speaking a language that I would never even be, never learned. I've tried to learn Spanish. It ain't easy trying to learn a language. But I was speaking in this language I didn't even understand. And then God even gifted me in something called the interpretation of tongues. That in our church, people would give a message in tongues and then someone would interpret. And I'd have no idea what they were saying, but God would just use me to, speak and interpret what we're saying. There was something that had happened in my life that night where God had empowered me like never before. And there's something that God will do in your life if you open up your heart completely to him. And this is what God will do. God will change you from the inside out so that you will ultimately become somebody that naturally you never thought that you could even become. This morning, I want to show you how that is possible. And I want to use the example of the life of a man called Peter. And how Peter's life shows us the importance of opening up our hearts to him. And not only receiving the grace of Jesus Christ and the salvation of Jesus Christ. But also to open up our hearts to him so that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is a toolbox. It's not mine, it's the church's, but I've got one that's almost identical. Many of you have got one of these in your home, a toolbox. Some of you, you wouldn't even know how to open it. Some of you open it and use it, but you really don't know what you're doing. And there's some of you are experts on it. But in this drill, in this uh, uh, toolbox this morning, there are a few different pieces that I have in here this morning. And the first one I want to show you, where did it go? Somebody took it. Here it is. See, that's what happens with my toolbox, highly ever open. I'm like, where is that stuff? I knew I left it in there. There is this. It's a small little metal thing. Anyone know what this is, if you can see it? It's a drill bit. It's a small little bitty drill bit. It's not the smallest drill bit I've got in my toolbox, but it's a small little drill bit. Now, we all know what the purpose of this drill bit is. The purpose of this drill bit is to what? Drill. And what does it, what does it drill? Holes, right? Simple. It drills holes. This isn't brain science, you know. This isn't like advanced physics. Drill a hole, people. Drill a hole. But yet, this drill bit can feel so insignificant if it's just in the toolbox with all the other tools. It hardly ever gets picked up. It hardly ever gets used. And by itself, it looks nothing. If you were going to go into Home Depot and you saw this, or you saw this, which one are you going to choose if you want to drill a big hole? You're going to drill this one. Because this little drill bit is very insignificant. And many of you in your life, especially your Christian life, you feel like this little drill bit. Because you're just stuck in the toolbox with all the other tools. Now, I'm not calling you a tool this morning, so don't worry. You feel like you're just in the toolbox with all the other tools. And you're as insignificant as everyone else. And you think, wow, I wish I could be a hammer. Everybody wants to be a hammer. I wish I could be a saw. Then I could be really useful and saw for Jesus. I wish I could be a screwdriver at least. A Phillips head one at that. A flat head if I need to be. But let me be something else but a tiny little drill bits. And that is how so many people feel in their lives insignificant. They've got hardly any purpose in life. And they're thinking, I'm never going to be used by God. And this was the life of Peter. See, Peter was a local fisherman working his business. He had a steady business He went out onto the Sea of Galilee and he caught fish. And while he was busy catching fish and earning a living, in truth, he was like this little unused drill bit. He had no real significance in life. Yeah, you say, Peter, what's your purpose in life? To catch fish, to sell it so other people can eat. But really, is that really life-changing? Is that really significant? No one thought that Peter would ever be a world changer. And we hear about the story of Peter in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, and this is what it says. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard All night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. As they were with as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus then replied to Simon Peter, Don't Be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter, this little insignificant drill bit. Jesus came along and showed him what could happen when Jesus comes. And did you notice what Peter's reply was? Jesus, leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. I'm too insignificant to be around you. I'm not gifted enough to be around you. Peter had the attitude, I'm not good enough to be with Jesus. And many of you, you've come to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you still have that attitude like a little drill bit. I'm not good enough by myself to do what God wants me to do. So I might as well not even bother. I might as well not even try because I am not gifted enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not powerful enough. I'm not influential enough. I'm not eloquent enough to do what God wants me to do. But I love what Jesus said to Simon Peter in reply when Simon says, leave me, I'm too much of a sinner. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because you feel insignificant. Because I'm going to make you significant. He says this, from now on you will be fishing for people. Jesus spoke into Peter's life. At this moment, he called Peter and said, Peter, no longer will you be known as a fisherman. You will be known as a fisher for men. A fisher for people. You will fish people and you will gather in people for me and my kingdom. And this is what our world does. Our world looks at the small, lifeless drill bits of this world and rejects them for the bigger, more accomplished drill bits. We even do this in the church world. We reject the small because we want something that's big, something that looks great. And that's what happens. But this is what Jesus does. Jesus never looks at what you can do. He only looks at what he can do through you. This drill bit cannot do anything by itself. But we will see later how powerful this drill bit can be. Because Jesus never looks at what you can do. He always looks at what he can do through you. That day, Peter's life changed forever. He met Jesus. The Bible says that they left their nets, they left their boats and they followed Jesus. And suddenly, Life had so much more purpose. Suddenly they had some significance. Suddenly someone had taken a chance on them. Their eyes were opened. They now were walking with the Savior, with the Messiah, with the God incarnate, the one who came from heaven to earth. They realized God was real and Jesus was the real deal. Can you remember that day when Jesus became real to you? Can you remember that day? Some of you here this morning, maybe Jesus has never become real to you. And you haven't yet got to that place where Jesus is real to you. There will be a day when Jesus becomes real to you, I promise you. And that day will come, you will be amazed. You will be in awe because your life will change. Think about those. You have met Jesus. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He changed your life. He transformed you. He made you what, what, we, what the Bible calls born again of the Spirit of God. You were a different person. Now you just weren't, weren't just a loose tool in the toolbox. Now you had meaning. And everywhere where the drill went, you decided to go as well. Because your place wasn't in the toolbox anymore. Your place was with the drill. Because now you had found an identity, and that identity was with Jesus. And this is what we know about living a life for Jesus. You aren't your own. You belong to Jesus. Your identity is not in being a fisherman. Or your identity is not just being in a loose drill bit. Or your identity is not just in your career. Or not in just the person that this world says that you are. But your identity is in Jesus. And everywhere you go, if you follow Jesus, Jesus is with you. Where you go, the drill goes. And you find some purpose in life. And suddenly, you start to attach yourself to the drill. And as you attach yourself to the drill, you start to feel not like an insignificant drill piece anymore now you look like a real tool a good tool now you look at the hammer and you say you can hammer all you want i'm a drill now you look at the screwdriver the phillips head screwdriver and you say i don't care who you are i got jesus i'm the drill now, you, you, you look at the saw and you can say, you can cut wood all you want. I don't care because I have Jesus. My life is changed. I'm no longer this just this pointless drill bit. Now I have purpose in life. And this is the story of Peter's life. His life was changed. He had new meaning. He had become a disciple of Jesus. However, And this may be a shock to some of you this morning. Just because you have Jesus, just because you are a disciple of Jesus does not make you a world changer. Just because you are a disciple of Jesus does not mean that you can speak into people who do not know Jesus and then they can find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Just because you may have a gift of teaching and you have Jesus does not mean automatically you would be a great preacher just because you can play music and you have Jesus doesn't mean that you would be a great worship leader. It doesn't mean that. Just because you have a heart for, the, for, for, for people who are down and out and you have Jesus does not mean that you would be great at outreach. Or just because you love kids and you have Jesus does not mean that you are a rock star at kids' ministry. Peter's life will show us. Luke chapter 22. Verses 54 to 62. Three years later, Peter has followed Jesus all these years. And it says this. So they arrested Jesus and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said to Peter, Peter, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said. I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them, because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord, Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard and wept bitterly. Peter had spent three years with Jesus. His life had been changed. He now had purpose. But the moment Jesus was taken away from him, he lost his identity. He lost his faith. This is one of the most defining moments in Peter's life. For he realizes that even though he is a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus, when times get tough, sometimes that truth just isn't enough. What happens when Jesus isn't here? What happens when you pray and you don't feel Jesus? Or you pray and Jesus doesn't answer your prayer? What happens when you come to church and you just don't feel God anymore? What happens when you go through hard times and you feel like God has deserted you, what happens when this world tries to take Jesus from you? This is what happened to Peter. He was powerless. Powerless. And while Jesus was healing people and performing miracles, Peter could see clearly. Peter could see the purpose, the transformation that was happening. Peter was getting excited with enthusiasm. But the moment Jesus was gone, so was Peter's faith. This has not only happened to Peter, but it's happened to thousands upon thousands and thousands of Christians throughout the centuries. The moment something starts to shake your faith, you felt powerless. Says this is what happens, you know, God has gifted you and called you for something. God has a purpose for you. and Let me tell you, everyone here this morning, God has a purpose for you. And you go to the purpose and you know your purpose if you're a drill bit is to drill a hole. And you try to go into the wood and you try to drill a hole. And you keep going with all your strength and all your might. And you keep going and going and going. And you keep trying to drill and making a hole and making a hole. And you know eventually if I keep trying hard enough, I will make a hole. And do you know what you've done? You've made a tiny little Indentation. So, this is what we do in life. Well, I can't do it myself. So, I'm going to get someone who's talented, somebody who maybe is more powerful or more influential, someone who has more experience or education, and I'm going to get them to do it. And so, they come and they try 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 and they try, and and you make a little dent. But your purpose was to drill holes, not to make dents. And that is what happened with Peter that day. See, God never intended you to be attached to Christ without the power of Christ. I'll say that again. God never intended for you to be attached to Christ without the power of Christ. Christ. And many Christians, they're just happy that their life has been transformed. They're no longer the spare drill bit. Now they're attached to the the drill. Now they have purpose in life. But God did not rescue you. God did not save you. God did not give his life so you can just be cleaned up and look good in this world. God saved you for his purposes and now he has a purpose for you. And you need power to fulfill that purpose. Let's take a look at what happened to Peter. Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 to 6, and we'll be very quick as our time's going. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Peter understood without the power of Christ, he was powerless. It drove him and his band of brothers to seek God and seek Jesus and seek what Jesus called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The moment when the Holy Spirit would fill them up, come over them and empower them for the purposes that God has. That morning in Jerusalem, they were celebrating the Jewish festival of Pentecost. But something more life-changing and incredible was happening in an upper room. Where Peter and his church friends were being filled and charged by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what God was doing. He was giving them power. Now they have power. And that is what God does when the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes you. It's not a freaky, weird thing. All it is is God is coming. He's attaching himself to you and he's giving you his power. What was dormant faith was now being given life. God had charged them up and he was shocking the church. There was work to do and they were going to need power to fulfill it. What God did, God baptized them with the Holy Spirit, and then what happened on the inside started to overflow in the physical. They started to speak in other tongues, and and then they went from the upper room out into the streets, and people started to hear. And then listen what happened after they got empowered. We're going to fast forward to Acts 2.14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. And then Peter started to preach and started to tell them about what Jesus had done. And we'll fast forward to verse 37. It says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brother, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, You must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. There was Peter when Jesus was arrested He felt lifeless. He felt powerless. But suddenly, God had given him power. Remember what Jesus spoke to him when he was in the boat? Jesus says, Peter, from now on, you will be a fisher of men. Peter would have never been able to preach like he did. Peter Peter would have never been able to, to, to bring people into the kingdom of God and live out the purpose of God For his life, without the power to do it, and the filling of the Holy Spirit, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is that power. Were there better preachers in Israel that day than Peter? Yes. Were there people who were more equipped to tell people about Jesus in Peter that in Jerusalem that day than Peter? Probably. Were there more educated people? Were there more eloquent people? Were there more talented people in Jerusalem that day than Peter? And the answer is yes. He was a humble fisherman. He had no right preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But yet, that day in Jerusalem, there was no one more powerful or empowered than Peter. Remember, Jesus never looks at what you can do. He always looks at what he can do in and through you. A shy 16-year-old should have never been anywhere near a microphone and a platform. But through the Holy Spirit, God made it happen. A rough fisherman should have been nowhere near teaching the scriptures of God. But that's what the Holy Spirit can do. See, Peter, for the past three years, had been trying in his own power. The disciples had been trying in their own power. And they realized they were powerless. But suddenly, they realized there was a purpose in life. And that was to drill holes. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. And suddenly, they were easy, able to drill holes just like that. It was easy for them. Why? Because the power of God was with them. Peter's story did not stop there. Peter was able to even perform miracles just as Jesus performed miracles. For the power of Jesus was with him. The power of God was with Peter so much so that he helped heal a crippled man who had never walked so he could walk. The power of God within Peter transferred to a lady who was called Tabitha who had died and he raised her to life. The power of God was with Peter, so that new believers who came to Jesus, he laid their hands on them, and they received the power of the Holy Spirit as well. The power of Jesus was with Peter, that he was able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the authorities came to arrest him, he didn't feel powerless. Now he felt powerful, and he continued preaching. And then when they arrested him, and they put him to prison, the power of God was with him so much that the prison doors opened. And he was able to walk out of prison. The power of God was with Peter so much. Being a Jew, he was able to go to some influential Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, and tell them about Jesus. And they were able to help change the world. This average man, this average uneducated fisherman from Galilee was now changing the world because he had opened his heart to Jesus. He had prayed for the Holy Spirit and he had allowed the power of God to change him and use him and this is why as a church generation church we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit we are powerless and so on February 9th Friday February 9th we're having a night of worship and prayer and one of the things that we're going to do through that night is we're going to ask God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to describe what happens when you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then on that night, on that prayer and worship night, I'm going to quickly explain biblically how to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so if you have never been baptized by the Holy Spirit, then I encourage you to make sure you come that night. Because we are believing that God is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God is going to empower you. The Holy Spirit. If you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, then that night we're gonna pray that God is gonna refresh and refill you that night and empower you once again. Maybe your batteries have died. We're gonna charge you up that night with the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that we are gonna do. I've been on a season of prayer and fasting since the beginning of the year, and God very has very real spoken to me, and this is what I believe. God is saying, for many years, we prayed, God, give us more leaders. Give us more leaders. Give us people who will lead in areas, who will lead us forward. And God very clearly spoke to me. He said this, Alex, you don't need more leaders. You need the church to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I stand up here just in obedience to God right now. I know for some of you, your theology is just all over the place right now because you're like, wow, I've grown up not believing in this stuff. But this is biblical. This is true. You may feel like the skinniest, smallest drill bit in the toolbox. But when you attach yourself to Jesus, open your heart to him and let him empower you. There's no stopping you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer this morning and I know we've run over and our time's gone. But I'm going to quickly pray for you this morning. And I want you to make sure you come back next week and then the week after and the week after and then be here on February 9th. Because it's important as a church that we know what being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit is, why God does this and why God gives this to us. And it's important that you are filled with his Holy Spirit. So in this moment, I'm just going to quickly pray and then we're going to end our service. But if you have never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and let me tell you, if you're questioning whether you have, you haven't received it. Because when that Spirit comes upon you, you know when you're empowered. And so, let this start a journey within you. A desire within you to be empowered by God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is very different to the Holy Spirit that comes and does a work within you when you are saved. It's a separate experience. It's a separate empowering. And so as I pray today and we close out this service, open your hearts to him and say, God, empower me like you did Peter and the disciples to be all that you've called me to do. So Father God, we thank you.